Hi, welcome to the show. Thanks for stopping by this week. I'm your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. As I say every week, this is the podcast for training business owners like you and I all around the world. And I appreciate your company again this week on this week's episode. Today, we're looking at episode 34. I mentioned to you last week before we wrapped up that we would have a guest on the show this week. Change of plan for two reasons. First of all, I've decided to bring next week's episode forward. And the other reason is that today's guest who was scheduled actually had a personal health issue and could not make it. We'll not elaborate on that. And I'm not going to say who that is. so as not to embarrass that person, but we will have them on the show in the near future. Now, another reason, yet again, for change of plan this week is that I received two separate emails from people in the last two weeks, both of which addressed the topic of standing out or being an associate trainer and having work come to you or I repeatedly. So this is a continuation of a theme we had on a previous episode, If you cast your mind back to episode 22, we talked about how to get hired as an associate or a contract trainer. And in the following episode, in episode 23, we talked about how to keep on getting work from a training company. So we're going to continue the theme this week in episode 34. So all that remains for me to do is before we have the music is to thank you once again for your loyalty and for tuning in this week. And welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks again for stopping by. Before the music, we indicated that today we're looking at a theme we touched upon twice before in previous episodes. And one of the main reasons we're doing that again this week is because it's a theme which comes up, particularly if you're listening to this and you're kind of new to the training business. I've alluded to the fact that I think that working as an associate trainer, in other words, working as one of the members of the training faculty on behalf of another training company is actually a very good idea for you for your experience. Um, for, for example, first of all, um, think of working as a training training company's trainer. Think of that as, a, as an apprenticeship. It's a chance for you to learn the ropes, to understand what it's like to work on large contracts and small contracts. You learn what professional training content looks like, what a multi-touch training program looks like, before you open up your own training business. So you can do this in tandem with having started your own training business, or you could do this before you begin your own training business. Either way, I think it's a very good idea because it's giving you exposure to the kinds of things you would not necessarily see if you just start your own thing without doing it that way. Think of it this way. If you were to open up a McDonald's, McDonald's would mandate that you must work in all the positions in that restaurant, in that business, before you open up your own. This is common knowledge. In many aspects of the food business, this is common practice. It's important that you know exactly what it's like to be in the front line, dealing with customers in the back office, dealing with paperwork and reports. 
Otherwise, how can you possibly run one of those businesses yourself? If you're opening up your own, let's say, accountancy practice, not that you are, but if you were, um, it would be a good idea. In fact, it's normal practice to actually do your articles. In other words, you'd have to spend time learning what it's like to be an accountant for someone else before you could be trusted with being a competent accountant on your own. And this is a common approach in many kinds of industries around the world. So why should the training business be any different? I'm not saying that you don't know enough to do your own thing, but very often it's a good idea to dip your toes in other people's businesses for the reasons I've mentioned. Another reason is that Working as an associate trainer allows you to hone your skills. You can learn how to set things up and to create reports, to design programs, to write better or video scripts, uh, better or existing video scripts from scratch. You can learn how training needs analyses should be performed. And perhaps this is stuff you already know, but it's no harm in learning other people's methodologies because sometimes these improve your existing knowledge and fill in gaps that you may not even know you don't know, if that makes sense. And the third reason coming to mind is that, in my experience, working on certain uh, programs on behalf of other training companies, consultancies, gives me the kind of access to the work which I would never have access to as a small or a one-person, or a several, or a, or a medium-sized training company, because, like it or not, some industry clients will only work with training companies of a particular uh, size, um, turnover, and and a portfolio of experience and, and a track record. So I'm thinking of the kinds of projects in the worlds of pharma, pharmaceuticals, or military uh, training, which I've done, or government training, or telecoms training or financial industry professional services training. And some of these training companies with whom I've worked in recent years, not not much so much this year, but uh, in other years, uh, more direct clients uh, recently, but more consultancy work and more associate work in other years, I've had access to the kinds of um, training contracts which I would never have access to for the reasons I've mentioned to you. Uh, perhaps uh, they're in a part of the world where the relationships exist that I simply don't have. And I'm thinking of that because this year in 2019, I'm scheduled to work for two weeks in Kuwait in the Middle East in June. And this is basically because the client I'm working on behalf of has access to relationships and, and people in that part of the world, which I don't have access to. So I'm grateful for this work, always have been. It's a wonderful chance to do things, particularly in the summertime when, in my part of the world, many training companies wind down their operations. So a lot of the training budget's typically spent by mid-June or early June. And sometimes things don't kick off until August or September uh, for the next uh, year or training year. So Things like this in, in July and August and June give me a kind of an impetus to acquire new skills and to do the kinds of things I would not be able to do necessarily on my own, training work in various parts of the world, and work in the kinds of industries where I may not have uh, sufficiently strong relationships. So I benefit by having uh, exposure to these projects and kinds of work through other training companies. 
So, so there are some of the reasons I'm thinking out loud as to why it's always a good idea to have access to other people's clients to improve or to really apprentice yourself to someone else's business. Think of it that way. And I know people who are in the training industry for, for many, many years, and yet, just like I do, regularly work on behalf of other training businesses just to kind of keep themselves sharp and acquire the kinds of knowledge and experience they may not otherwise have access to. So with that in mind, we're going to look at two different topics today, uh, which will help you to perform better and, and to be more valuable and to, to stand out effectively when you're a member of the faculty of trainers of another training business. The first one is the benefit of writing your own training profile when you're joining the training faculty or team of a training company, why that's important for you to do yourself. The second thing we'll look at is why it's important to be passionate. And now I know you're perhaps thinking, well, of course it's important to be passionate, Mark. It's always important to be passionate, but for a particular reason, it's important to be passionate. And I'll talk about that in the second thing today. These are part of the ebook I wrote uh, sometime last year, which is available to you for free, by the way. So I'm going to be reading from part of that today. And that ebook is available on the website hiredtrainer.com. Uh, as I mentioned to you at the beginning of this year, there will be a change in brand in the podcast name and its identity. Uh, that's something which will be coming up uh, in probably early Q3 or late Q2, probably Q3 this year. So stay tuned. But if you're listening to this podcast in the future and you're confused about why I've mentioned Hired Trainer, this is why. Because this ebook, which I've mentioned 21 Tips to uh, Succeed as a Freelance Trainer, was written at the time that the identity of this podcast was hiredtrainer.com. So again, I won't mention the podcast name in the future for a variety of reasons. That's the subject of a separate podcast, which we'll talk about in the future, or a separate podcast episode explaining why there's a change in brand. So you can perhaps hear the, um, the rush in my voice because I'm actually uh, anxious to get on to today's three topics. I have an appointment in about an hour's time. That's another reason I'm, I want to get through this. But I also want to do it in a way that you find value in listening to this today. So I appreciate, again, as I do every week, the fact that you're tuning in. Uh, I've got you for the next 35 minutes approximately. You could be in the gym, in the car, in the plane, in the train. And I don't take your company for granted. So let's really make this worth your while today. So the first thing today is the importance of of writing your own training profile. What do I mean? When you join a training company, a training company, depending on the relationship with you, uh, won't employ you because you're an associate. Instead, they're going to take your, your best bits, your skills, and market you effectively to their clients. And the client has a large say in which trainer they work with. So the training profile is actually free advertising for you and it's your most valuable opportunity to sell yourself. So it's really important you don't leave it to others to do it for you because they will never do it as well as you can. Does that make sense? Okay. So I and most freelance trainers whom I know tend to enjoy, as I said, a mix of 
both our own client work as well as associate work. And if you're one of these people, then you will usually be asked to provide a written profile, as it's called, around about the same time that you are accepted or you have been accepted onto the company's pool penalty or faculty of trainers, call it what you will. The trainer profile that you've written or are about to write is very important because it serves both as a way of introducing you internally to the team you're working with, in other words, other people in the training company, as well as uh, your fellow trainers, but it's also a way of introducing you externally to the company's customers. In effect, your training profile explains who you are and what it is that you can offer. Your trainer profile or consultant profile is much more, well, it's much shorter and more succinct than a resume. It's not your CV. It's not your curriculum vitae. Okay. So the good news is that no one is asking you for a transcription of your resume. This is not what your profile's for. Usually something between 150 and 350 words should suffice. And this profile that you're writing does not have to be unique because I've reused more or less the same profile with some changes for several training businesses with which I've worked over the years. Your profile is a wonderful opportunity to advertise yourself for free. So when a training company bids for new training business, they will usually rely on your trainer trainer profile uh, to offer you to the client company. Does that make sense? In other words, your your copy, the stuff in your training profile, the stuff you've written yourself, or the stuff I hope you've written yourself, is the summary which clients of the training company will read when considering whether you are the right trainer for their project. You're up against, in many instances, other trainers. So if their training profile is better than yours, this is going to cost you money, okay? So your training profile can cost you money or make you money in a few short seconds of reading. It's that important. It's therefore crucial that you write it well and that you write it yourself. And don't be afraid to go out and ask other people. I've used uh, LinkedIn experts before, um, and I've used CV or resume writing experts to help me with something as succinct and short as a profile. So if it's not your expertise, that's okay. Get some help in writing this. How many companies phone you up to ask if you want free advertising on their website? Think about that. How many companies ever phone you up to ask if you want free advertising on their website? Well, the answer, I'll give it to you, is probably very few or none. Yet, this is exactly what your training profile represents. It's free advertising. So I'm amazed how frequently some trainers leave the task of writing their profile to someone else simply because they can't be bothered to do it themselves or don't believe they're able to do it themselves. Furthermore, some trainers who write their profile do a really bad job of it. They fail to communicate their passion. They fail to communicate their expertise. And they also fail to write the copy, which is the name I would give to the text that you're writing, those 150 to 350 words. That copy does not communicate their value to the person reading this. So my question to you is, can you afford to have a poorly written piece of advertising destroying your chance of getting work? Yeah, you can't. The answer is you can't. You have to ensure that everything you write on your training profile, 
which clients of the training company see, is reflective of your experience and expertise. So it's important you don't exaggerate or embellish the content. It's important you don't distort facts. If you're unsure of the kind of format to use, you should ask the training coordinator for an example of another trainer's profile and base it on that. Some companies require it to be produced in Microsoft Word. I'm not a fan of Microsoft Word. I don't use it, but whichever format is required, that's the format I submit this in. So if you're unsure, just ask. In the not-too-distant past, As I said, I used the experience and services of someone on LinkedIn. I think she was actually from New York. Tell me to write the best possible resume of my experience just for 350 words. And it was well worth the investment. So I never thought about a training profile as as needing to contain key words. But it does. Because if your training profile is going to go onto the webpage of the company for whom you'll work as an associate, it's Google and Bing and other search engines which will scan that page and find those keywords. So it's a kind of a different way of writing than just writing a resume. So if you if you feel you need the services of someone to help you to do this, then don't hesitate. Lots of people doing this on Fiverr, on peopleperhour.com, uh, on, on upwork.com and many others. The, the next thing when it comes to your profile is your image. Now, to accompany your profile, some, in fact, most training companies will ask you for a quality headshot or photograph of yourself. And this is actually just as important as your written profile because people, humans, prefer images to reading text. Why? Because it's easier, isn't it? So therefore, it's really worth enlisting a professional photographer to take a series of quality shots. I don't think your iPhone or your your Android is going to really cut the mustard or or do the job. And if you're working with a training company, sometimes they want a consistent look and a backdrop or particular clothing. And therefore, they will often require that um, the faculty is, is present on one particular day in the office so everyone is the same kind of background or the same kind of, you know, um, photographer taking the same consistent shots with the same consistent lighting. So if this isn't the case, you, you can organize one yourself. But if it is the case, you should ask for a copy because some training companies have no problem with you using that photograph for your own uses. And the one I used on my LinkedIn page, not the current one, but the one I used uh, second last, was given to me for free on the back of turning up to be photographed for a training company, one of the clients I used to work with, and that saved me at least $250. The third thing to think about when it comes to your profile is making a video of yourself. And it's funny how many people don't think of a video as, as, a, as a sales tool, but video actually is perhaps the most important sales tool you will ever make. The script that you write does not have to be an Oscar-winning performance. Uh, In fact, you don't even have to script at all. You can simply speak from the heart. But sometimes it's a bit tricky to, you know, get used to that. But if you can speak passionately um, for even, you know, 120 seconds, you can actually convince someone that you are the right person to hire. Not the other person, not the other trainer on the company page of trainers, but you're the person, and here's why. So your training pitch... It's like, in a way, it's like an audition, because that's what it is. You're actually auditioning for a part. You can't see the director hiring you, 
but that person is getting an impression from you by listening to you, looking at you. So it's something you should really give some thought to. It's something most trainers don't do, perhaps because they dread being on camera or they feel it's too much trouble for technical reasons. Uh, If you have to, and you can, use an iPhone or an Android, you can use a video uh, tool. Um, You can use something which comes with your MacBook Pro, if you have one, or you could use something with your Dell or your Azure or any one of your kind of Windows-based platforms to make a very simple video and edit this. If you want something more professional, you can find a freelance editor on Fiverr or peopleperhour.com or uh, upwork.com, many, many gig economy sites like that. And they will do a great job for comparatively little expense. It really pays off because once it's ready, you can upload this video to YouTube for free or Vimeo or Wistia and share the link via your email footer. So it's a really clever way of of imparting value to someone before they ever see you in action. Video is more important than ever. So communicate your live passion, not just your stationary passion, and sell yourself. So a couple of things to think about uh, as a kind of a checklist before we move on to the next topic, and it's this. Um, It's important you write your own profile because no one will ever be as motivated as you to sell you as you are. Uh, Also, writing your content yourself or your profile yourself um, is actually free advertising and it's the best advertising you will ever have. Also, if you write this yourself, you can use it because it's come from you. It's your intellectual property. You can use this on other clients' sites or your own LinkedIn or social media platform sites. And it's your content. It's something worth doing well because you can reuse this and repurpose it time and time again. Okay, so moving on to the next tip today or the next topic, which is the importance of being passionate. Now, what comes to your mind when I say that to you as you're sitting there in the car or wherever you are? What what comes to mind when I say be passionate? Okay, you're possibly thinking about someone who is you know, energetic and uses, as I do, some kind of enthusiastic tone of voice and exudes this you know, uh, interest in what they do. But there's a reason why passion is important because people need your passion to learn and acquire new knowledge. And passion actually is infectious. Your enthusiasm for your subject is infectious. So if you are a sales trainer, which is what I do, I specialize in inside sales. And if you love what you do, your passion must show. Similarly, if you are an IT instructor, you must be passionate about uh, software and coding. Your subject must be the very thing that gets you out of bed in the morning. Does that make sense? If you train people in the areas of negotiation or leadership or assertiveness or presentation skills or time management or delegation or Microsoft Excel or uh, CAD, computer-aided design, or you know forensic analysis, Spanish cooking, whatever it is, guess what? Your passion must show. The people in front of you in your training class, in front of you in terms of your uh, camera, your screen, if you're delivering remote training, they don't just need your knowledge. Why? Because they need your enthusiasm as well. Positive emotion is the glue which binds learning into knowledge. So you have to be energized and on fire when you talk about your chosen area of expertise. If it's an act, people can tell. Similarly, 
if it's dead boring, you're going to lose interest. I know people who know their area inside out. They've got, you know, a, a, not a doctorate or a PhD, but, you know, lots and lots of experience in something. But by golly, it is so boring listening to them that people quickly tune out and, and the evaluations show. So you don't want to act and pretend you know something you don't or act and pretend you're passionate about something when you're not. But by the same token, any amount of expertise is no good without passion because passion is actually what energizes your people. It's the kind of thing that actually helps them to learn and to cement that knowledge and to want to learn more. And thinking of this from personal experience, of all the classes I remember from doing my MBA, oh gosh, uh, nearly 10 years ago now, one stands out above the rest. A guy called Michael Smith, who was head of the economics department at the university where I did my MBA, came in one afternoon to talk about um, the systemic reasons for high unemployment in the European zone or the Eurozone or the EU. And he gave an amazing presentation. And for two hours, I was completely mesmerized. I could have listened all day. And from the whole year of all the, the classes and lectures I had, that one stood out. And I often thought, why? Why was it that um, that stood out for me? Because I wrote the second best paper in that class that semester. Michael told me so. And I'm a bit of a dullard when it comes to, you know, economics and, and numbers. It's just not my not my area. So I, I couldn't understand why I was able to, I was second place in the class for that particular paper because the other part of the economics, which involved the kinds of um, statistics, well, that was, I was one of the, the lowest in the class in that. And I thought it must have something to do with the fact that he enthused me so much about that subject. And that's what made it really passionate and made me want to learn more. And thinking back further, at, at 14 years of age, it was my French teacher, another Smith, different spelling, Valerie Smith, who galvanized my interest in learning the French language, so much so that I spent two successive summers with a French family um, in a place called Valdoise to the west of Paris. And I came back to school with, so my French teacher told me, accentless French, and a determination to keep learning. And my ability to speak French later influenced my career as it enabled me to both work and to live in France. I've worked for two French companies. Remarkably, in both cases, in the cases of Michael Smith, when I was doing my MBA, and Valerie Smith, different uh, surname, um, in both, co- both cases, it was the person not the words, not the subject behind the teaching, which I remember. Not the stuff on the page, not the stuff on the screen, but the stuff coming out of their mouths and it's how I felt about that. And, and to this day, I can't remember what their lessons contained apart from Michael's, which was specifically about uh, Eurozone un- unemployment. But I remember how they made me feel about their subjects. So as you're listening there, what's going through your mind? This is what's going through my mind. You and I have an enormous privilege when we're training people because you just might be the person who, unknown to yourself, says something in a way with passion that changes the life and direction of someone on front of you and you may never even know it. And I can tell you that's happened to me. So you could just be the spark that ignites the fire in someone and before you know it, that person has made a decision there and then to do something, to stop doing something. As W.B. Yeats, one of my favorite poets, 
a guy from Ireland, um, said famously, education is not the filling of a bucket, it's the lighting of a fire. So it's important that you sell the why, not just the how or the what. It's much easier to learn something from someone if that person is fired up, isn't it? Have you noticed that you tend to learn more when the speaker, maybe it's a YouTube video or it's something, a course or a lecture you've been to, maybe you realize that you tend to learn more when the speaker is passionate and the learning is fun. Of course you do, because emotion and memory work closely together in the brain. We all find it easier to recall something when we've become emotionally involved in storing it in our minds. People actually need your enthusiasm to learn. And my beautiful daughter, Sarah, she might be listening to this, I don't know, is a wonderful teacher in training. She's she's a learning how to become a teacher. And the comments that we've heard, my wife and I have heard from Sarah's teachers about her ability to really bring the little people in her care together and to learn things passionately and to do so well under her care. That is exactly what being a teacher is all about. So if you're a trainer, you know you're a trainer. You're the kind of trainer who doesn't just teach. You are the kind of trainer, the kind of teacher like Sarah um, or someone else you can think of who doesn't just teach something but sells the why of learning more about that subject which you're training because your enthusiasm leads to passion, passion leads to performance, and performance can actually be life-changing. Another thing to think of when being passionate is that you have to be really, really present because we owe it to our delegates to always be 100% present when training. We always have off days. I've had them too. Something's on your mind, perhaps something about your personal life's bothering you. But one of the ways in which your success as a trainer is measured is your ability to be focused absolutely in everything that people are saying to you, what they're doing, how they're reacting, uh, the questions they're asking. So one of the ways in which you're going to succeed as a trainer or a teacher, or a trainer in this instance, is to really be present and to focus on what people are asking you and why they're asking those questions. Because if you're able to monitor that and pick up on those signals, you're going to be a better trainer. So you're doing your students a favor when you can convince them of the merits of learning more about the subject beyond the training course. Does that make sense? If you've got someone's attention for an hour or eight hours or two days, they will, if you've done your job properly, want to learn more in their own time for their own reasons. So you're doing them a favor when you can convince them to take on the task of developing what you've given them after you've left the room, after you've left that training job. Because your client, which is the training company who's hired you, needs you to be the kind of person that leaves that sweet taste, that leaves that kind of impression that they want you back because you made them feel good about what it is they do day to day. Just think about that for a moment. They might only have you for a couple of days, but if they're asking you back, it's more than the fact that you've delivered knowledge. It's the fact that you've made them feel good about the job they have and why they should be better at that job. So it's really important that you deliver that return on investment. People should want to learn from you, but also want to learn more after you've gone. 
when you've delivered the training program and subsequent to the training program. When you think about this, your delegates, the people in your training classroom or across the internet, if you're delivering remote training, all of them have important jobs which they cannot attend to. Why? Because they're instead spending their their working day or that hour or that week in your classroom, your physical classroom or your virtual classroom. It's probably cost their employer a lot of money to take them away from the work they're doing or would be doing if they weren't being trained by you. So your delegates deserve the very best experience which you can give them. Does that make sense? I know you agree with me because your enthusiasm and passion for your subject will always go a long, long way to ensure that the people's investment in you is worthwhile. It's worthwhile having you turn up and train that client. It's worthwhile the training company who's hired you as an associate trainer to ask you or to want you back to deliver to that client because you ensure return on investment. When people have completed evaluation forms following my training sessions, the positive ones, and I don't always get positive ones, let's be honest here, they nearly always remark that I have displayed enormous enthusiasm and passion for my subject. And as a professional trainer, that is the very least which you and I can do, okay? So that's my kind of, um, let's call that a manifesto for why it's important to be training. Again, it's not the filling of a bucket, it's not the checking off a checklist, but you are lighting a fire if you're doing something properly. If you're training people properly, properly, with passion, um, you have to do it with all your heart. And it is a privilege to train people. Always has been to me, always will be to me. It's in my blood, my parent. My mother was a teacher, or still is a teacher to some degree. Um, and my grandfathers, both of them were teachers, so it's kind of in the blood. If, if it's something you find yourself drawing to, drawn to, it's more than likely because there's something in you niggling you about a passion that you have to awaken. So if you find yourself, as I often do, coming away thinking, I can't believe I'm paid to do this. This is my job. I love what I do so much. It's probably more than just a career. It's a passion. So show that passion. Let that passion spill out from you into your delegates. It will pay off. Okay? So that's it. Thank you for today. Thanks for listening to those two tips. I'm always interested in your feedback. So as you do right now, as many of you do, please feel free to drop me a line uh, on Facebook or via email. My email address is markghays at gmail.com. And I look forward to hearing your comments and your suggestions. And to hear, as one of you said last week, that you are an advocate for the podcast. I, I quite liked uh, that person saying that. And, and I hope you feel about the podcast that way because it's great fun producing these episodes every week. It's, it's work, but it's something I look forward to. I don't take your listenership for granted. You can find the podcast, as always, on iTunes, on Stitcher, and on Spotify. And I would also be very grateful if you would tell other training professionals about the podcast because it's something that I think will help them. And in doing so, it also helps me to attract the kinds of guests who can help your training business. My email address, again, is markghays at gmail.com. Feel free to drop me a line. And if you'd like me to read out your name as well as your question, I am more than happy to do that. So look forward to your company again next Thursday in episode 35 of the podcast. Until then, have a great week. Bye-bye. 
once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.